about our vision, um, about to celebrate what God has been doing, and to think about what he is doing. Before I, and, and some of, uh, a lot of what we do today is going to be quite practical. Um, and in fact, there are some handouts, perhaps some, Chris, if you're able to do that. This is a talk, or some parts of this morning, not all of it, are a talk for people who like boxes and information in boxes. I know that's not everybody, so if you don't like that, don't look at this handout, that's fine, you don't have to. Um, but I'm coming to that a bit later. Um, we're not going to, I'm going to be covering some Bible passages, but we're not going in depth on any particular Bible passage like we might do on a normal Sunday. Instead, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, our vision, what God is inviting us to do, how that works, and how how we see that going as we go forward. And before I do all of that, I want to read just a very short quote. I'm sorry, I don't have a slide for it, but it seems to me, I've got it at the top, I wrote it at the top of my talk. Um, because I think it really sums up for me um, what thinking about vision and speaking about vision in the context of vision is all about. And I'm sorry, I don't, even, I don't even have it on the handout, but the quote is this, and it's a quote from a theologian called Tom Wright, a Bible, a Bible scholar, and he says this. You'll have to listen carefully to hear it. He says this, Standing at the foot of the cross, gazing on the length to which God's love has gone for us, it's impossible not to sense the power and possibilities within that love. This is the force that has changed the world. Now, I'm going to read that one more time. Standing at the foot of the cross, gazing at the length to which God's love has gone for us, it's impossible, unless we're particularly hard-hearted, not to sense the power and possibilities within that love. This is a force that has changed the world. So in other words, anything we do, any, any, any practical step that we take, any box that we put together, any bit of information we have, any meeting we have, any bit of organization that we do, comes under the banner of knowing and appreciating what God has done for us. Standing at the foot of the cross, which I sort of virtually am. It's not a very big cross. I'm sort of standing next to it. But... Metaphorically, this comes from a place of knowing who we are and knowing that we're saved. So what is Vision Sunday? Well, what is vision? Uh, my definition of vision is, well, it's the, I looked it up actually, it's the ability to see. It's the ability to see, and, so with, and it's the ability to think about the future and plan the future with imagination and wisdom. So a really good definition that somebody I know once told me was, vision is describing a better future. And the Bible's very clear that without a vision... We, the people, perish. Okay, it's important to know where we're going. And so as a church, our vision is defined broadly by three things. It's defined by the Bible and biblical principles, the aims, the stories, and the principles and the instructions that are in the Bible. It's defined by our story and our DNA, the things that God has said to us as a church, the things that God has done with us in the past, key words, our story, our DNA, and I talked about this um, back in January when I talked about Multiply and the vision for this year, and I talked about the whole history of Winchester Vineyard and how we'd been part of seeing God multiply even churches and church plants. Um, there are things that are important to us and have always been important to us over the years, the kingdom of God, the presence of God, compassion. And then it's defined by the prophetic, the things that God is talking to us about now, now and in the future, prophetic words, godly wisdom, and us just responding 
to the situations in the world we see around us. Now, back in 2016, if you were here then, uh, we did some talks on vision, and I made this slide. And I said, well, what's our mission? What's our mission statement? And I quoted this quote from Matthew 28. This is a very well-known passage of the Bible. Um, It's called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father. And teach them to observe all I've commanded you. This is Jesus' instruction to his disciples. And I added in the phrase, because I figure that every church should do this, every Christian should do this. But I added in the phrase in Winchester and the surrounding areas and the communities where you live and work. Because I figured that we could apply, most of us, the Great Commission to where we are. That's how this thing works. I also um, had one other slide which I want to show you, which was a a strategy slide. How are we going to do this? And I I made this slide back in 2016. um, And we talked about how, how we would intentionally try and bring about the Great Commission. And how we would grow gathered environments. By that's a fancy word. What it means is our services, our life groups our prayer groups, our alpha courses, our training courses, our boot camp. We will grow how we gather and how we will also, at the same time, the other goalpost, release scattered servants. In other words, empowering everyone everywhere, every day, to take God's kingdom, to take God's presence, to do the stuff, to be good news, to be the life and the love of Jesus. And how across the top, the goal, almost the crossbar challenge, is to continue to steward the presence of God. God is with us. His presence is with us. He's with us here in these places. That's why we worship together when we gather, and he's with us when we go out. And um, we have talked a lot about um, being disciples of Jesus. And so I'll, come to, I'll come to that in a minute. But that's, that's the kind of, back in 2016, we said this is our vision, these are our aims. And the truth is it's been seven years since I made that slide, but our aims and outcomes haven't really changed That's what we're doing. The focus may have changed. Um, COVID has enabled enabled us to do some thinking about strategy, and it's enabled us to do some restructuring, and we've had to adapt, and we've had to change our focus. Um, But essentially, nothing's really fundamentally changed about what we were doing then and what we're doing now. And so when it comes to what is God saying now, As I said, we take in these three things. We take into account the Bible and what the Bible says. We take into account our story and prophetic words. And so there are some key Bible passages. And I'm not going to go into these in detail. I've already read out Matthew 28. The Bible is a living, breathing text that we keep revisiting and we keep wrestling with and we keep seeking to apply to our lives. And over the years, some particular passages have seemed to sort of jump out at us. They've been very significant as they capture some of the heart of God, and they sum up really important principles that we've tried and lived by. This isn't even all of them. This is just a selection of the key passages, and I'm only flagging them up, really, to say the Bible's really important to us. We've already talked about um, the Great Commission. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That was Jesus' manifesto, and it's ours. Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That's so important. In Matthew 11, Jesus' invitation, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Come and do life with me. John 13, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Ephesians 4, he's given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. How? Why? To equip 
God's people for works of service to build up the body of Christ. And another one that keeps coming and keeps coming, Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your curtains wide, you will spread to the right and the left. There is this sense that as disciples, there will always, as we worship Jesus, as we spend time with him, there will always be an outflow. It can't be healthy unless there's an outflow. So those are the key Bible passages. We've had some key prophetic words along, along the way. We've received many prophetic words over the years. And what we do with them is, um, as, what I mean by a prophetic word is somebody would come to us and say, I feel like God said this, and they would share it with us. And the Bible says that what we need to do when that happens is to take time to reflect and to pray and to weigh them up and to see which ones seem to have weight. And so we keep all the prophetic words and we weigh them over time. And over time we revisit and we revisit and we see what themes are emerging and we pray about them. We make a distinction between kind of words that we would consider to be overarching, long-term words and other words that seem more specific for a season. And this is just a handful of some other things. And again, I don't have time to go into this, but I just want you to know that we do a lot of, we do spend quite a significant amount of time as leaders thinking, praying, asking God, reflecting. We're called to be people who rescue people. There was words about equipping and training, about the weary restored, about prodigals returning. This was a, a major word that came to the church before Joe and I even came here about the importance of prayer and releasing people into fullness and about being spiritual mother, mothers and fathers who raise up a generation. There are prophetic words that have come about the church. It's a very vivid picture as the church as a waterfall with multiple streams that flow in and then all come down in unity to a pool and then multiple streams that flow out. We've had numerous words about being fruit and branches. This one's interesting. It was a specific word about a Meccano set those of you of a certain age will know what Meccano is. <laughs> um, but the, the point was that what the Lord wanted to do was to undo what was made and make something different with the same pieces. And there was something about restructuring. This was back in 2018, 2019. Feels like through, all through the COVID years, that's what God's been doing. There was an important word we felt God speak to us about consecration. Consecrate yourselves. Um, last year before I went on sabbatical, I shared a word about wake up, dry bones, rise up. Sleepers, And then even just recently, someone shared a, a really powerful word with me about how the Lord wants to fortify us and build strength. And all of these things kind of molded together. And we felt like what God said to us for 2023 was that the word is multiply. And it's a, this word multiply, it fits all of those categories. It's very biblical. It's in our DNA. And it also seems to be a lot to do with what God is talking us about. And what, when we think about multiply, we've been talking with every series we've done since February onwards has started with the word multiply. What are we multiplying? Well, we're multiplying disciples. We're multiplying disciples. I've already read this passage, but I'm going to read it again in a different version. Because for me, this is the basis of why God is calling us to think about multiplication. Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge to his followers. He said, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, Jesus' way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you, and I'll be with you as soon as you do this, day after day right up to the end of the age. 
Our main goal is to make disciples. In order to do that effectively, we need to be growing ourselves as disciples. We, need to, we're not, we don't have to be the finished article. We don't have to have reached perfection. It's a good job, isn't it? But we do need to be on a committed journey with Jesus, growing with Jesus in discipleship, growing as apprentices to Jesus, doing life Jesus' way. And so our teaching recently has been digging into that, how we do that in our lives, resilience, generosity, and surrender. And there will be an outflow. And you know what disciples do? There are three things that disciples do. Disciples spend time with Jesus. Disciples try to become like Jesus. And disciples do the things that Jesus did. And as disciples grow and multiply, so we should see an outflow from there. We should see leaders multiply. We should see small groups multiply. We should see communities and ministries and congregations and ultimately churches multiply. How do we multiply in this season? What is God saying now? I believe that God is the one who brings the growth, but that we have a part to play. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers are laboring in vain. We don't do the building. We don't do the growing. That's God's business. Another passage that just talks into that is this one, and I've recreated this on your sheets as well. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but let's be clear about who's been making it grow. It's God. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, really, but only God who makes things grow. However, the one who plants and the one who waters have purpose, one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. So this is not about us building some great church and looking to get all the numbers out and ticking a load of boxes and going through some strategies. That's not what this is. It might look or feel a bit like it, especially for those of you who are used to this kind of talk and this kind of language in your work, work environment. But let's get this right. This is about us partnering with God and what he wants to do. Jesus said, I do what I see the Father doing. And so just um, in a moment, Simon's going to come and share um, some finance information. And this is very practical. But just before he does, the way that we sort of organize ourselves as a team, just how we think about how we organize it, we have five key organizational goals. The first one is making disciples. I've talked about that enough. How do we do that? By trying to develop a healthy and vibrant church. The second goal that we set ourselves is meeting needs. And we do that by loving our communities. Now, we do a lot of that through Storehouse, and you'll hear about Storehouse and Compassion Ministries uh, in general. These, these, these areas cover a lot of practical things. Another thing we do is multiplying ministry, training leaders, and there's a big focus coming on that, which we'll cover in a bit. Another thing we do is partner overseas with those who are doing the same things as us. They're making disciples, they're meeting needs, and they're multiplying leaders. And lastly, because we want to do good governance, we steward our resources wisely. We operate efficiently with excellent governance. We have an, a fantastic team of trustees who look after our governance. And one of the things that the trustees do is to oversee all of the finances to make sure that it's all above board and uh, out there in the open. Um, normally, we would do this presentation after church, but we think you should all hear it. Normally, we wait till later in the year as well for some practical reasons, and we didn't want to do that. So, Simon, why don't you come? This is Simon. Give him a little round of applause. He is our new finance trustee. Simon is our finance trustee, and he is going to briefly share information with you about our situation financially. This is basically our 2022 report. 
Um, broad, broad, sort of broad, broad headlines. Over to you. Thank you, Nigel. So, if you've been around the church for any period of time, you'll have noticed that just about every Sunday, and, and Joe did this this Sunday, was uh, we give thanks for God's provision, um, and also we pray for God's wisdom in the use of that provision. And I think that's great. I, th I think that's a great habit to have. Um, and also it's great to be able today to report back on, on how that's been going. Um, so on behalf of the six other trustees and myself, I'd like to take you through um, the 2022 finances and also touch on some of our future plans and some vision. So I'm um, going to cover six things today. Um, we're going to look at our income, the money that, that comes in. Uh, we're going to look at how we spend that money, uh, look at um, where we ended up at the end of 2022. Um, you'll have heard, um, kind of people have hinted at it in terms of some of the additional finances that have come in for Compassion. I'd like to kind of take you through a bit more of that. Um, uh, briefly touch on some of our other restricted funds. Um, if we're talking about money and churches and charities, um, one of the things you need to get into is understanding what a, a restricted fund is and what an unrestricted fund is. So we'll, we'll briefly touch that. And I want to look forward as well um, and kind of pick up on the whole thing of vision and multiply. Um, so let's start with um, income. So last year, um, our income was 519,000, praise God. Um, and um, in 2021, it's, so that's well up from, from 2021. Um, and when you're thinking about income, um, you've really got to think of three pots. Um, so you've got to think of unrestricted income. And so that unrestricted income, basically, it, it means the trustees um, can spend that money on anything that they see fit. Um, then there's restricted income, um, which is, how big are those numbers? Can people see those numbers? Okay, good. Um, uh, so restricted income is that the money's been given for a specific purpose, um, and that money needs to be spent on that purpose. So, so that might be money given for our mission partners or for compassion, and it can only spend, be spent on that. And then we've got some other income as well, um, and, and that's things like um, uh, hiring out the, the, the rooms in the church or, or maybe kind of paying for events. So you can see um, our money has, has gone up year on year, um, and that's mainly been driven by our, an increase in restricted income and an increase in other income. And so in, unrestricted has gone up a bit, um, but, but only a little bit. So, so the key drivers of why our money has gone up for restricted income is firstly, um, we had a really generous gift to do this new carpet here. Um, and, and so that was one of the, the big increases last year. Um, and you'll have also heard, uh, many of you, that we received a grant from the National Lottery Community Fund as well, which was, again, a restricted income, um, uh, supporting Compassion in particular. Then some of the other income, um, 
our event income went up, and that's very simple, really. There was COVID, we didn't do events. Now we do events again, and so that's, that's why that went up. Um, but also, um, we're, we're really getting a lot slicker in terms of room hire, and so we're get, getting a lot more money from, from hiring out our rooms. Um, let me briefly talk about gift aid. Um, so we get back from gift aid every year about £65,000. So that's incredible, isn't it? An extra 65,000, what you can do with that. So I want to thank you for you kind of faithfully kind of filling out your gift aid forms. And if you don't and you're a taxpayer, then please do. More than 65,000 would be better. Um, but I also want to thank you just for your, your kind of faithful giving um, because nothing would happen without that. So, so thank you for your giving. Um, so let's go on and talk about um, some of our costs now, how we spent the money. Um, and this is really, I'm talking about our spending of our unrestricted income. We'll come and talk about restricted in a second. So very simply, and at a high level, we spend about 50% of our money um, on payroll. And then we spend about another quarter on the building, and that includes... Um, the, paying back the mortgage on the building, um, heat and light, utilities, et cetera, et cetera, and then another quarter um, on other costs. And so that's kind of donations out from the church and just general running costs. Um, I could go into a whole lot more detail as we spend the money, but um, I've got a handout that for those who are interested and want to get into more detail as to how we spend the money, um, come and see me afterwards. I've got a handout, and, and, and there's a lot more of just in detail where we spend that money. Um, now, like every household, we've been impacted by inflation. Um, and so just picking out some kind of key elements of, of how we've been hit by inflation recently. So obviously our pastoral staff had a pay rise. That cost us about uh, £10,000 increase year over year. Um, like households, we've been hit by um, an increase, increase in interest rates, and so uh, the amount we've had to pay on mortgage interest has gone up significantly. And also, like households, we've been hit by kind of our utility bills and light heat and power. Um, that's gone up. Um, but the overall effect of that is in 2022, when you take all our money in and all our money out, um, we had a surplus of about £11,000. And that compares with the previous year um, when, we had, when we spent more than we got in of about 13000 But from year to year, it's, it's roughly equal. Um, so where were we at the end of the year? So, so we've got a mortgage on the building. At the end of the year, we still owed £719,000 on that mortgage, so still, still a lot to pay off there. Um, and how much money do we have in the bank? Um, so at the end of the year, somewhat higher than it normally is, but it was £149,000. Now, if you listen to Martin Lewis or anybody else on their advice on um, kind of, as a household, keeping money back, you should really be keeping back three months worth of your spending um, as a buffer and as, as charity trustees we want to do the same and so three months spending 
um, for the church is something just over £100,000. So we've, we've got a little bit more than that. Um, and that, that gives us a, a little bit of wiggle room. And so I kind of want to come and talk to you about that uh, later. So let's just hold that thought as to what we could do with that money um, and quickly go on and talk about um, some of our restricted funds. So starting with compassion and um, storehouse. So let's just reflect. What does it take um, financially, um, from a resource point of view, to be able to run storehouse in particular. Um, so we've got our, our general costs, um, just the general running costs. Um, and historically, we've, we've had about donations of about £7,000 a year um, to, to run this. Um, and that pays for things like running the van, um, pays for Christmas hampers, um, pays for, yeah, just, just kind of general uh, upkeep and, and keeping the show on the road. Um, but there's, there's other things that go towards storehouse as well because we have um, a huge amount of donations in kind. So that's accounting speak for stuff we're given that we then give to other people. So if you think of all the clothes that the church is given um, or compassion is given and um, also the, um, the food that's given. And um, for the church accounts we kind of work out how much that is it's over 70,000 pounds a year we receive in and then give out and then we think of all our volunteers as well there's hundreds and hundreds of hours that that go in um, supporting that ministry um, but there's one other cost that you don't really think about um, but um, it's it's the overheads of of running the compassion ministry um, and so what could that be? It's, it's the, the use of this building, heating this building, the, the number of days um, of a week that the, the compassion is, is using this building. Um, it's the time of some of our um, full-time staff. And so we actually sat down and worked out how much overhead cost um, the church was kind of paying out, running compassion. And it works out at about 40 or 50,000 pounds a year. And so last year, we, we took the decision to reach out to some external fundraisers and say, hey, would you like to partner with us um, uh, supporting this ministry? Um, and the amazing news was there are an awful lot of people very keen to, to help us do this. Um, and, and so I've talked about the, the National uh, Lottery Community Fund, uh, but there are a number of other trust funds as well, most of whom actually just want to stay anonymous and, and not know uh, who they are. But it means that from just receiving about £7,000 a year to run Compassion, um, we, we've now got forward funding for the next three years, for this year, of £30,000. And we already know in 2024, we'll have 18,000, and the year after, an, another 18,000. So, so that means that we can actually plan um, forward really well there. Um, and a lot of the partners are just very keen to say, we're, we're happy to, for, for, to subsidize you, to cover your overhead costs, to help the church out, um, running this ministry. So the National Lottery are, are more specific in terms of what they actually wanted to spend the money on, um, but uh, some of the other partners 
um, much more happy just to give us the money. Um, so kind of changing tack, coming on to um, our mission restricted fund and some of the other donations that we give out. So the church um, gave out 90,000 pounds in donations in 2022. So 43,000 of that came from um, giving from church members um, to specific um, global mission partners. Um, another 17,000 came from church funds to top that up. So to in total, 60,000 pounds went to our global mission partners. And then we gave another 30,000 to various other ministries. So uh, Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland, um, street pastors and, and people like that, and um, Open Doors, for example. So, and then just briefly on some of our other restricted funds, I haven't really got time to go into them in, in detail, but let me just um, kind of touch on the bus. Uh, so it's, it, it was interesting that as we reached out to some of the um, trust funds, um, they were very interested in, in the bus and the bus ministry. Um, and so we will be uh, kind of targeting our um, fundraising for this year, specifically around the bus. Um, I'm sure Nigel will be talking more about the bus um, in a second. Um, so that's some of our other restricted funds. Um, if you want more detail on that, or for example, if you want more detail on, well, actually, where are we giving our donations? Um, I've got that all out in a handout that you can come and see me afterwards or have any other question. So, so then just briefly, let's, let's look forward. Uh, so I think the first thing we need to do is, is give thanks. Um, give thanks that we're in a, a healthy position financially. Um, give thanks for the um, incredible um, compassion provision. Um, give thanks. December was amazing, the amount of money that came in. And I, I don't think it's a, a surprise that that's when the church was praying and fasting. Um, but money for the carpet came in. Um, and just a whole load of money came in right at the end of the year. Um, and, and so for me as a trustee, I think that was an encouragement that yes, God does provide. Um, uh, and so moving on into 2023 and thinking about um, multiply, there's, there's a whole load of things that we want to spend money on. Um, but one of the key things that we've got in the 2023 um, budget is to add um, an additional assistant pastor um, because uh, that will enable us to multiply in, in all sorts of different ways. Um, and that's not cheap. That's, that's not cheap. Um, if, if you're kind of taking on a three-year commitment there, that, that works out at, at well over £100,000. Um, and um, so, but yeah, we've, we've put that in the 2023 budget. We've uh, kind of committed to, to that direction. But that kind of leaves us... Um, Kind of if we then come down and look at how our finances... So we've been going along where kind of cash flow in roughly equals cash flow out. But for this year, when, when we start to hire in um, an additional pastor um, and potentially some other costs as well, uh, and just maybe putting some more money aside for the building, um, we start to run at a deficit. So uh, certainly next year, if the assistant pastor's here um, all the time, we're running at um, probably a 40,000 deficit. And, and that's somewhat of a faith gap. 
Um, so God's, God's provided, spoken very clearly. Um, we're very encouraged to take this step. Um, but as we go forward into next year, will you kind of join with us and, and pray for um, God's provision? Um, multiply costs money. We think God's saying this, um, but pray that, yeah, the money comes in. So, Nigel, back to you. Um, just a massive thank you from me to Simon. Um, also want to acknowledge, uh, um, he's not here, but um, maybe he'll watch on video. Mark Ars did a lot of work in setting up our new finance system and Samuel, who is our bookkeeper. Um, but actually all of our trustees, just stand up if you are a trustee. I know they're not all here, but stand up those of you who are. Um, Roger, there's, the, there's three of you. Well, you guys just, they work really hard behind the scenes and we're so grateful. And in fact, there are, in fact, there are, there are many, many gifted people in our church family who bring their own professional expertise and experience to the church in so many different ways. And if you're the kind of person that loves spreadsheets and boxes and money and stuff like that, come and talk to us because we always need more people. What is God, where is God inviting you to take part or to, to give your contribution. Now, what I want to do for the last um, five, ten minutes or so is I just want to break down some of the more pastoral things. Now, I, I did warn you about this. This is where we get into boxes. I decided that this box is probably too small, or the writing in it is too small, which is why you've got a copy of it on your um, piece of paper. And I'm not going to talk about every word and every box. But if I think about what it looks like to see our church multiply, see our church grow. And, and I want to break it down into um, just some things that we can think about, um, and that some things that are specific. Well, for me, there are four missions. There are four stages. There are four areas to focus on. And they are invite and welcome and grow and lead. And in each of these areas, we have a sort of stated aim. So, for example, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to invite, we're trying to introduce people to the hope and the life of Jesus. That's kind of why we're here. You, you know, I read that Great Commission passage. It said, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, how are we going to do that? It starts off with introducing people to Jesus, inviting them to find out more. There are many people that we know between us who perhaps don't even know about Jesus. They don't even know, or they might think something about him. And so there's a whole stage around inviting that's really important. And I'm just so grateful. You know, last Christmas we had our carol service here, and Andy did a great talk, and we, we sang some carols. And absolutely, honestly, I looked out and I hardly recognized anybody because there were so many guests here. So many of you had invited friends, neighbors, colleagues, family, guests, who don't normally come to church. There were so many guests. We were blown away. Recently, Joe did an Easter meal. Uh, not just Joe, sorry. Joe, Joe made it happen, but there's a great team that worked. Um, just an Easter meal. And again, there was a, it was an opportunity to come and find out a little bit more. And we invited guests. Now, some of you, there are many of you who invite friends, and they say, thank you very much, but I can't make it, or they, they, they can't come. I just want to say thank you if you were invited them. We're not, I'm not celebrating the people who came or didn't come. It's up to them whether they can come or not. That's between them and God. But thank you to those of us who continually keep inviting people. 
These things is really important. Jez mentioned the coronation weekend already. I mean, what an opportunity. Not to invite people to church, we won't be here, but we do have a new Alpha course coming up after that. We have, um, there's a brilliant IJM um, concert event which Dave is looking at and and we'll, we'll tell you about soon. And there's a quiz night that we're doing on the 30th of June. So in other words, there are things that are not church services like this, but things which people may be interested in coming to, finding out a little bit more. But it could start next weekend with us just going out and spending time with our neighbours, chilling out with our neighbours, getting into, you know, watching the coronation together, having a drink in the garden or whatever it is, celebrating and getting to know people. It all starts with inviting. It all starts with introducing people to the hope and the life of Jesus. And sometimes that's as simple as just going and being nice to your neighbours, you know, and just finding out a bit about them, having a meaningful conversation. So there's the invite piece And I guess a question, a key question in that, you know, I'm not going to go through all the boxes on this thing, but there are loads of key pathways. You know, compassion we've heard a lot about. Um, The Alpha course, we're really celebrating. It's been fantastic this term. Trish and John have been running that and their life group and a team of brilliant people. There's so much going on. There are key pathways all through the church. You can see, you know, our activities are not restricted to boxes. Our activities spread across different things. The second key principle here is about welcome. So after we introduce people to the hope and the life of Jesus, and we invite them to find out more about him, the next step is that we invite people to follow Jesus. We invite them to follow Jesus for themselves. And at the same time, we invite them to become part of our church family. If you want to follow Jesus and you're looking for some people to follow Jesus with, this is a great community to do it in. That's what we're... Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Can I hear an amen? No, 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 never mind. Um, This is a great place to do that. How do we do that? Well, we provide the warmest and friendliest welcome possible. We try and... I don't think it's possible to over-welcome people. Maybe it is. Maybe it it might be. But we, we, we just want to be the friendliest, most welcoming place. Right? And loads of you do that. Every Sunday morning, different people serve on teams out in the car park. Okay, put the signs up. I mean, it's, it's very, very practical going and putting a sign up on the road that says the vineyard is here. But it's a brilliant way of welcoming somebody. It's so funny, isn't it? Because most of us drive past that sign and don't even think about it because we've been here before and we know where the church is. But for those people who are coming new that week, it's great. So it's so important. Those of us who are on the door saying hi, those of us who are making coffee, those of us who are putting the chairs out, those of us who are serving and leading our kids and our young people and making them feel welcome. I tell you, you go up there and you do worship with the kids, that is a great time. They are having a blast up there. And a lot of that is down to our brilliant teams. I've already talked about the Alpha course and we are celebrating. I think we've had consistently around eight guests and they're continuing. They keep coming. Some of you are in the room. I know that you, those of you who've been on the Alpha course have been exploring what it is to be a Christian, what it is to commit to following Jesus. I know that some people have made that decision to commit to following Jesus and are ongoing with a, new, with an, a group that's come out of that. And there's another Alpha course starting soon as well. Isn't that exciting? You know, just did some stats, and uh, I know there's a sort of bounce uh, after covid But roughly on average, we were getting about 100 adults here a year ago. And now roughly on average, we're getting about 140 adults here. So we've seen some growth, physical, numerical growth. That's just the numbers on Sunday morning. We don't just count numbers. Every number or every stat is a person. And that person 
has a story, and the story is a story of following Jesus and of being in a community and of growing in faith, and that's really important. So another key question would be, how can I help to be a welcoming church? How can I help with welcoming people here? And then the next part is to grow. And this is probably the bit that might be more familiar to you. We worship and we grow together. We're a family of Jesus' disciples. And we're living out that unique call to be apprentices of his. To spend time with him, to become more like him, and to do the things he did. To learn to do the things he did. One of the really great testimonies, actually one of the great programs that I keep hearing consistently good testimonies from is the changes that he'll cause. Just give me a wave if that's something that you've been involved in or done. Quite a few of us. Brilliant. And I've heard several stories um, of people who've said doing that course and being in that group has really changed my life, has made a massive difference in terms of helping us grow in our faith, grow through some of the pain and the disappointment of the past. Something that, you know, the, the word that you shared earlier, Naomi, the word that Naomi shared earlier. You know, if that's if that's something that, re- that you can relate to, then changes that heal is just one of the things that we do to help people grow. Brilliant testimonies. And we've also heard just brilliant testimonies from, from Simon of financial generosity, incredible provision and blessing. So I guess a, a question here if, would be, what is my next growth step? Is it Alpha? Is it one of these boot camp courses? Is it to join a life group? Is it to go to Changes That Heal or to get baptized or to give? And then the fourth part, the fourth mission that we have, I suppose, is around leadership. Identify, train, and deploy leaders who in turn will release other leaders into their calling. We want, we want to multiply leaders at all levels of church life. Now, we haven't, honestly, just in the, in, the, in the bounce back from COVID, we haven't been able to focus on this aspect as much as we would have liked to over the last year, but that is something that we are seeking to change, and Paul is working hard on that, running a Vineyard Leadership Essentials course Um, And then we have some other things going on. And one of the things that we have going on is a discipleship year program. Now, we've had Adam working with us as a a disciple, as an intern this year. Uh, And we had Ben the year before. And we've had various people on our discipleship programs. But we are looking to ramp that up this year. So, in fact, if I think about the projects that we're looking at for the rest of this year, I'll come back to the assistant pastor, but the discipleship year program from September. You know, heart of hearts, I would love to see somewhere between five and ten people on a gap year course. They don't have to be young people. I mean, it's kind of a good thing to do if you're in your early 20s or late teens. It's a good time to do it. But honestly, if you're sitting there thinking, I would love to give a year to just spend a couple of days, you know, uh, working alongside the team of the church, growing, you know, investing in my life, investing in the church, You can be any age to do that. There really is no age limit. There really is no age limit. And so we're just in the process of launching that program. Uh, There is is an application form online. And uh, you can have a look at that. Or you can invite someone. And my hunch is that there will be people who come here from other cities who come to do this. And so maybe a way that you can get involved is by saying, I've got a spare room and I'm happy to rent it out to a disciple. Is that a good word? No. To one of our discipleship year people, uh, you know, for a, for a, for a reasonable rent. Um, but we're going to be launching that. Another, another thing um, Simon's talked about is the assistant pastor. We have been in the process of recruiting 
Um, we are still in the process of recruiting. I tell you, our intercessors have prayed and prayed and prayed into this one. Um, Joe and I are speaking to somebody this week, and we are hoping that that will regard, we'll come out with a fruitful and positive conversation about that. We're praying hard. If this is the right person, then we'll hopefully know in the next few days or weeks, and God is speaking to us. But we, we, we just know that God needs to bring somebody to work alongside us. And that's something we keep praying into and something that we've budgeted for, as Simon said. By the way, I just want to make something clear. £100,000 isn't one pastor's salary for one year, <laughs> just to make that clear. Simon, that, that 100000 is over three years, yeah? That's a very broad thing. Just, just in case you thought that might be. Um, um, yeah, new life groups. The bus that we've talked about, we've had that bus out there for a couple of years. You may know about it, you may not know about it. We've been getting it fixed. Is Stephen, has it been for its test? It's going for a roadworthy test. The, the bus MOT thing, it's happening on Friday. We're working towards that. Please pray. Because the reason that we got this bus, I mean, we always knew that if we could never get it on the road, it would be a good asset for us to use. But really, our heart was not to keep it to ourselves. Our heart was to get this bus out on the road being used for young people right across our city. And so we're in the process of um, recruiting somebody to come, a project worker to come um, and be involved in that. And as, as Stephen said, we've had some um, quite drawn out processes about finding the right person to fix this thing, but actually um, answers to prayer. And um, the bus is fixed and it's ready to go for its test. And we're really hoping that by September, um, we see it out in schools and involved in running uh, mental health programs with young people in secondary schools in Winchester and beyond, and various other outreach things. So there are things happening, exciting things happening. Uh, new life groups and a new leadership course. And then the last thing, just this, these are our dreams. And I, a few weeks ago, I put up a slide, and it had, uh, it, it's just a, a thing that we can do on our database, and it plots uh, a little dot where everybody, on the map of where everybody is in our church. And I spoke about this, and I said, you know, really, our heart is that not that everybody would come into the center here, but actually the life of what goes on here would go out. Now, I don't know what that looks like yet. Well, I have a, heart, I have a dream of what it looks like. I think it looks like um, clusters of small groups in communities, in places maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes from here, releasing the life and the love of Jesus in communities. Now, I'd love to say, and you know, maybe one day those will turn into sites or congregations or church plants. You know, when we looked at that map, Eastleigh, Chandler's Ford, I'm looking at you. There's a lot of people here who live around there. What does God want to do there? You know, further afield, um, Andover, I'm looking at you guys, and up the north, you know, out west. There, there, are, there are places where we are living and working and, and doing life and doing community. And if you're in one of those places, my encouragement is just start to pray. What is God saying about this? Who is he putting alongside me? And what would it look like to share and spread the life and the love, that all that God is doing here, and take it out beyond? That's a bit of a dream. That's not a plan for this year yet. But, you know, who knows? God might want to do something with that. But that's kind of where we're going. Now, I kind of want to leave you with just four questions. Who am I inviting? How can I help welcome people? What is my next growth step? And lastly, around leadership, who am I influencing? Everybody's leading somebody. You don't have to be called a leader. You don't need a title. The question is, who's looking to you? If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're responsible for somebody at work, you're a leader. 
It may just be informally that people are looking to you. And I guess I want to say that if this is your church, if you feel like God has brought you here and he has knit you into the family or he is knitting you into the family, then this is our vision and these are the things that we are trying to do. This is what we feel God has invited us to get involved in. And it's up to everyone to get involved. So I'm not going to twist anyone's arm, but why don't we stand together? And why don't we just invite the Holy Spirit and see if there's anything that he wants to do in this moment as we respond to the vision that he's given us.